previously on the Sports Refuge Podcast. Being black is like yeah, the best thing in the world. You I mean you're like a superhero to some people, but they don't think you're real. From Delaware, almost live. This is a Sports Refuge Podcast. This is the weekly podcast featuring interviews with guests discussing their connection to sports. And now, here's your host, Earl Holland. 87 episodes are in the queue of the Sports Refuge podcast, and this is show number 88, and I'm your host, Earl Holland. This is the show where guests share their connection to sports. This week's guest, Dante Finney, has been on the podcast several times before, but during each episode, there's always a new revelation and a bit of new information or topic of discussion that we broach on. In this episode, Dante and I talk about his recent return to his native Maryland following a three-year stint living in Florida. Some of the most common misconceptions regarding both the martial arts and physical fitness and how having a positive mindset can help you flourish in each of those disciplines. Let's cut out the formalities and start my interview with Dante Finney. Dante Finney, glad to have you back on the show. How are things going? Man, going great. And I'm glad to be back. Earl, what's going on, baby? How you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, they say every day above ground is a good one. I know even in this ridiculous pandemic, I know we're trying to count our blessings a lot more. And I think sometimes you take advantage of that or you don't take advantage of it. And then you just see how sometimes how blessed you are having the opportunity to see a new day. Very, man. Practicing, being grateful, just making that a daily thing. uh, Definitely. Because of the pandemic, really, that set that off. And having that in your daily life, practicing gratitude, writing down three things you're grateful for, or just thinking about it when you wake up first thing in the morning instead of attacking your phone makes a big difference. You don't mind me asking, but I'm curious, are you spiritual, religious, or something along those lines? Because, I mean, it's cool if you aren't. I'm just always sort of been curious, but never know. No, very very much, we'll call it spiritual. Uh, Definitely don't identify with any one religion. But uh, definitely very spiritual. We can dive all the way in whenever you're ready. (laughs) Yeah, you know, because I always feel like I know some people who have discussions where they see certain tenets of some religions that they apply to their everyday life. And I always saw that as a unique thing because some people think, well, it could be a mix of so many different things. You might take a little bit from this, a little bit from that. That's huge. Mm -hmm. For me in college, I actually took a class on religion in college. And every week, a person, a pastor, you know, or whatnot, from a different religion would come out every week and talk to us. And really, what I personally took away from it, I'm sure everybody took something totally different. But what I personally took away is a lot of the texts really all said the same thing. I mean, the the basis, the core, the golden rule, you know, that's the core of so much of it. But so I took you know, a little bit of everything, like you just said, and I meet different people from different places and I take a little bit and, you know, we're all still growing and learning. I think that's going to be a forever process. Yeah. And I always feel like a lot of the things that you apply in martial arts, a lot of those things come from a number of the religions as well. Some of the things that are talked about being one with nature, being in harmony and things like that. Now, maybe I'm just doing a huge overreach about that, but it could show up in those philosophies. Very much so. Same practices, philosophies, You nailed it. I always wondered, and this is something that I haven't asked you in these past interviews, but what do you think maybe the biggest misconception is when it comes to even doing the martial arts? Here's the biggest misconception, and it's quite, it's kind of easy. I'm too old to do it. 
oh, I wish I started when I was younger. Like, martial arts is not a young man's game. You know, martial arts is everybody. Kids, women, children, old, young, everyone can practice. I think that's the beauty of it. And I meet so many people and they're hesitant. They think you got to be able to do a split. You got to be able to fight for eight minutes. You don't have to do any of that. You know, you basically just have to be there and be better than you were last week. That's it. And anybody can do that. Yeah. And I can definitely say that. I mean, you see a lot of people who've been doing or even those people who are maybe in their 60s or 70s who have been doing it for years. And I mean, I guess it changes your perspective the older you get. And just, yeah, you may not be as flexible as you would have been if you did it. You were 15, the 20, or even seven years old or something like that. But it's still, I think if there's maturity there, that is something that I think really plays a big role and can be beneficial to you. Huge. You know, it's not even about most of the time what you do. It's how you do it. Or do you know what to do next? You know, once you get to the professionals, athleticism does separate some people like, you know, you're a little faster here and there, you know, in in our world, we're we're not trying to be the better athlete every session. You know, we're practicing our MMA or our martial arts. We're not trying to be the best athlete in the room. Once again, we're just trying to be better than we were yesterday. So you don't have to be this grand professional athlete, right? You just got to get a control of your mind and be able to just have some discipline. Hello, word of the day. Hang in there and you, you will improve no matter what skill level you start at. You know, one of the biggest things I wanted to talk to you about coming to the show, I know that you have spent a few years down in Florida doing personal training and things like that. And then you recently made your return to Maryland. Going through the whole story, what led to your decision to go down to Florida? And then what led to that decision to come back to Maryland? Mm, Okay. Basically, both are the same things, man. The reason to go down there, once again, so many reasons, but really the basis, the main, the root was my kids. And, And of course, myself, but for my kids to see more, to see something different. You know, I'm not going to say more, but to see something different. That was really on my mind at the time. Um, This is coming from someone who was in the same town in high school from kindergarten through uh, 12th grade, right? Same experience. So I figured giving them a different experience, boom, we go to Florida, live that life, and basically the same thing brought us back. (laughs) Family, kids family dynamics, having in-laws giving birth to kids in Maryland. We had our baby girl down in Florida. It was inevitable that uh, we would meet back up here. So a lot more went into it than that, but it's always about the family, man. You know, mom, dad's still alive, blessed to still have them around. So it was almost inevitable that we ended up back up here. Would you say it was easy to pick up where you left off coming back up to Maryland? I'm not going to say it was easy, but it wasn't hard. You know, you still got to readjust. Being in South Florida is definitely a slightly different life. So, yeah, you got to readjust. Takes a few months to readjust, but it wasn't hard, man. You know, when you move to a totally different place, it probably takes you two years. Everyone told me three years to really get established. So, in that sense, moving back here and it only took two or three months, yeah, it was kind of easy. It was quick. To you, what was, uh, I guess, especially as a personal trainer, it wasn't that tough to find a job again, was there? Oh, no, nah, man. That's the best part about this job. Corona, no Corona, Florida, Maryland, doesn't matter. Uh, in the gym, in the closet, in a house, in the apartment, I can do it. All I need is to be able to see you. And I kind of don't even need that. But <laughs> if I can see you uh, or if I can just email you a program 
or text you some some words of motivation or, or some advice, I can train you. You know, I, I don't need to see you. We can do it via text, you know. That's the beautiful thing about this job. I know, and we'll talk about, uh, I guess, sort of the virtual training and things like that. But what was the biggest lesson or thing you learned from that experience down in Florida? Mm, hit me with the heavy questions, Earl. So many lessons learned, but I'll give you this one for sure that everyone can take something from. And that's uh, make each moment count. While I'm down in Florida, I'm missing people in Maryland. When I'm in Maryland, I'm, I'm missing people in Florida. And all you, you know, all you can think is, oh, I wish I did this. I wish I did that. You know, so always make the most of everything. No regrets. We definitely did what we had to do um, all the time. It was fun, man. We got out there. But the lesson is do everything you can in that moment every day. Every day. Don't wait because you don't know where you're going to be here, there, the next day. Yeah, you know, I always say it, what you say sounds a lot like the Matthew McConaughey Oscar speech where he talks about he wants to try to be better the next day, the next that week, one. the next month, the next year, 10 years from now. I always thought about that. It seems more, I don't want to say of a motivational speaker because I know sometimes motivational speakers get a bit of a bad rep. So I was just saying it sounds very power positive thinking. Yeah, it comes from experience, man. Think about all the best things you got in your life. You ain't got to say it out loud. Just think about top two, three best things you got in your life. I guarantee you didn't get them instantly. I guarantee it. You didn't just come instantly. There was some work. There was a story. Mom sacrificed. Brother sacrificed. Somebody did something for you to get it. You did something for you, right? There's always a process, man. There's always a process. So you got to take it one day at a time. You got to improve 1% each day, right? Trying to do too much too fast, you're going to burn out. And thinking that it's going to happen instantly, you're really going to be for a rude awakening, right? So you got to put in the process, right? We talked about something right before we went live. We talked about your experience uh, working from home, right? The process. That was a month at a time, right? Month one, you had no clue what month six was going to look like, right? You had to work on month one. That's it. Yeah, and that's definitely true. And going back to what you were saying just about the sacrifices that people made, it also makes me think of another speech I heard. It was <laughs> one that Mr. Rogers gave uh, when he won like an Emmy, and he talked about this. And I know we're going to be full of like motivational speeches and things like that, but he told people, everybody in the audience, everybody in the audience, he told them, just think about for 10 seconds, be silent for 10 seconds, think about all the people who helped you get to where you were along the way. If that's not the most powerful thing in the world, I know I always keep talking about Mr. Rogers and it feels like every time it's always some Mr. Rogers thing, but it is true. He is, he has some very deep stuff. And, and when you think about it, just the fact he talks about how some people can be affected by love, either it's the receiving of love or the lack of love received. So those little things like that makes you Mm -hmm. really makes Mm you think. Mm -hmm. Now see Jada Pinkett Smith just said something about that. And everybody was like, they didn't give Mr. Rogers his respect, man. Yeah, I mean, but that's the one thing about Mr. Rogers. It's like he's basically reached sainthood, and you've never heard a bad thing about him. You'll never <laughs> hear a bad thing about him. It's like you hear about all these other people that you think, oh, these great people, and then you hear there's like some <laughs> dark Rogers. side to him. Yeah, not Mr. Rogers. It's like, you know, everybody used to hear about Kirby Puckett, and I always saw about Kirby Puckett as a perfect example. Everybody talked about he's smiling, grinning, fa- baseball player. Everybody remembers him. You know, everybody was sad when he had glaucoma. Then you find out after he died that he had a mistress on the side. He was very abusive to his wife and all this other stuff. Uh, Juan Bratton told me we were having a, 
Twi- uh, Twitter discussion, how he talked about how Kirby Puckett said, I don't even want to see any of these kids in the cancer ward. It makes me depressed. And, then, you know, stuff like that. And it's uh, something along those lines. And, you know, it's like, wow, man, this is, <laughs> you know, you know, it's like hey. if you found out Hulk Hogan was racist or something. <laughs> yeah, if you were. imagine that. <laughs> Audience, in case you all did not know, Earl knows everything. This guy's walking jeopardy, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> I love it, bro. I'm, I'm still trying to get on jeopardy, man. It, it is not easy. I'm, I am, I'm, actually, I'm starting to ramp up. I'm actually taking an old composition, you know, those old composition journals. I'm going to use that one of those as a list to start compiling things that are on my like weaknesses when it comes to studying for jeopardy and which is basically well most religions that's uh, classical music that's opera mythology some shakespeare plays you know stuff like that Mm -hmm. again i don't want to hijack it i just thought about we got on this discussion like we had in the first episode where we just bounce from here to there here to there and that's why it made me think about just sort of when you were talking about the speech about trying to be better every day it like sent me off on a tangent about uh, the whole McConaughey and Mr. Rogers thing. Um, now, one thing is you, like many of the other people that went to Snow Hill, like Christian, Corey, Thomas, Brian, uh, probably a few other too many to name, went to UMES. What led to you going to UMES? And were there any other alternatives that you looked at? <laughs> so repetitive. Why did I go to UMES? To stay close to my kids. Yeah. I mean, I had my kid uh, when I was 18, uh, two weeks before I walked across stage in high school. So the decision, uh, Elizabeth City, North Carolina was going down. I mean, that was a tough, tough pull between there and uh, UMES. But stayed close to UMES. My best friend went there. Shout out to Robbie Bonac. Bonac. What's up? (laughs) We got to find him. I got to get him on one day. (laughs) Man, that's the guy that needs to be on here. That dude is on his sport. yeah, so went to uh, UMES. My my homie was there. You were there. You know, a lot of Corey. So that, that's it. And let's be real. Back then, it probably still is now, but back then the program was good for what we were all doing. Um, so we rode with it, right? What was uh, were there any other majors that you looked at pursuing there prior to uh, picking a, a physical therapy? Nah, nope, not at that time in my life. Not at that point. Nope, that was it. What was the curriculum like for that major? I assume it's it's a lot of work. I I, I know it. Yeah, hardcore. Probably, you know, I'm sure you had your your caseload too of work, though, buddy. Yeah, honestly, I'm trying. Uh, yeah, all the literature classes. That's basically the literature classes were the toughest part. Other than that, like the TV stuff. No, nah, that was that was nothing. But right. the uh, but the literature, man. Mm-hmm. And I know we got off easy because I know some colleges you have to end up writing in like a 10 page paper. Honestly, we have to write maybe five to six page paper. That's not even counting the works cited plus their title page. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I can live with that. (laughs) I can live with that. Yeah, we had some way bigger papers than that, bud. Mm. (laughs) And I knew science was nowhere near. And I know that is it is a science. So and I know science was definitely not my strong suit. So. So, so much for genetics and biology and all that other stuff for me. Yeah, not the easiest stuff. How did you get everyone in your family involved in fitness? I know that that your wife, Debbie, also is involved doing a lot of stuff, does some uh, some teaching on the side as well. Uh, how did you get everyone from Dylan to D- Dion and everybody well, interested uh, in fitness? 
I, my wife was already into it before, you know, before we met. When I met her, she was playing basketball and soccer, various sports right from the jump anyway. And then my kids, they just, they were around it constantly, right? That's all we ever did. Especially uh, Dion, the, the middle kid, uh, all he knows is us as trainers, is knows me as a trainer. So it's really, that's all they know, man, you know? The, and they actually like it. You know, I didn't make them to get into anything or push them to do anything. They're, they're, all their uh, fitness pursuits have been all their own. Did you see it was easier just the kids sort of getting into it while they were young, as opposed to maybe somebody making a drastic change in their life and all of a sudden getting into it? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You know, early we talked about it's never too old to start. Uh, but I mean, that's physically. I think when you get older, the physical is the problem. It's the mental. I started with a lady. She was 33, making a career change, highly enthusiastic. And then five weeks later, just disappeared, burned out. Uh, why do I bring that up? Well, the kids, you know, highly enthusiastic, doing something for five, six weeks. And, well, there's, they have very minimal distractions. So it's really all they saw, you know. They didn't have to deal with other kids or too many other siblings or anything, right? So all they saw was just the fitness aspect. So it was easy to get them in. Um, someone you're a little older in your 30s, that enthusiasm wears off, the distractions start to pop up. And, you know, that's where we run into our issues. Yeah, and I also think that, especially you talk about the enthusiasm, I think some people tend to try to do too much too soon. And if they don't see the results, it's the beginning of the burnout process. You think I'm doing all this and not seeing any results. I mean, that can be an easy, I don't want to use as cop out as a term, but it can be an easy reason for some people to get super gung ho. And then all of a sudden get, mm -hmm. you know, unenthusiastic after a while. Yep. One thing I, I developed here, but really pushed in Florida is client experience or even just you on your own, your workout experience is way more important than your workout results. And this is why you're pushing for a result and it takes longer than you think it should to get it. It's hard to bounce back from that. Let's just say we're enjoying the experience. One push up one week, three push ups the next week, you know, not these big grand goals. Those things keep you going. And I've seen people, uh, and I'm sure a lot of other coaches can attest to this, you know, there's been people way more happy. They went from two push-ups to four push-ups than I've seen people lose 15 pounds. You know, I've seen them lose 15 pounds, be happy for two seconds and turn right around and like, okay, where's the next 15 I got to lose? It's something about accomplishing these small tasks week to week that keeps you in the game way more than aiming for that grand result you know we, we all kind of know this but implementing it is tough because when you're in there busting your butt or you're studying hard you're ready to get the big test done forget these little quizzes right but the quizzes build confidence the little accomplishments build the confidence to take the big test right so that's how you got to approach it yeah, no, and I can definitely see that. And I think that's huge too. And I think going from two to four push-ups is huge. Like I was starting to work out, like I said, so to just a full disclosure, I've been doing the keto diet. It'll be a year come late September. And Ooh. so far I've lost, I started at 324 and now I am down. I'm in the neighborhood of two uh, upper 270s. 
Spit it out. Let's go, my man. Yeah. Well, and like I said, I know a lot of people. First thing I said, like you know, they notice like the you know first thing, like man, you look like you lost a lot of weight. We can see it in your face and all this other stuff, and like you know, which is understandable and that's cool. The biggest thing was I had just been trying to focus diet first. I'll admit until I, the first six months, I was pretty much, well, let's say first six and a half months. I was pretty much solid. I was so angry that I had got like a Wawa steak and egg bowl. Cause you know, he had for keto net, you don't okay. have so many net carbs. I saw yeah. the steak egg bowl. Cause I was doing like what? 24 carbs a day. Steak and egg bowl. I saw, I looked up there net carbs, 20 net carbs. So basically, and it was the morning. So basically, I would have had to go through the rest of the day trying to figure out how to eat only four carbs. I was angry about that. And I said, I'd never get one. And I still haven't gotten one since. But I was pretty religious on it. Rarely would I ever go over carbs and things like that. Even like Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, where you mm-hmm. think that's the biggest trap in the world. I didn't mm-hmm. go over it. I made sure I made the ham. I made, like I said, I made this erythritol glazed ham with mm-hmm. like sugar-free maple syrup because i gotta have my glazes so Mm -hmm. there it is no no sugar just sugar alcohols and most people couldn't even tell the difference and like i said worst case i went over one day and i was like maybe had like 30 net cars but for the fact that really for like three months Mm -hmm. you know i had no issue and i really think really the holiday the two holidays were the worst that's it the two Mm -hmm. holidays were the worst because one, you're trying to avoid everything. There's like no potatoes, no macaroni, no desserts. Cause honestly, I think I've now, and I think keto probably helped desserts. I don't really miss desserts. The only thing out now I found those rebel ice creams and things like that, where it has like the sugar alcohol content where it's not really going to hurt you. Cause you know, really no net carbs. Those things are fine. Even though I, I think I get my fill of them too, because I, I really was an ice cream person. The more I get to that, I'm like, yeah, sweet. Yeah, I'm fine. Just give me, give me all the meat. I'll be good. Just like Ron Swanson said, give me all your eggs and all your bacon. Right. <laughs> yeah. Perfect, man. <laughs> Big ups to that. I remember the Thanksgiving thing. That was huge. You was, you was really fighting to stick on your state to your diet right then, man. So that was huge. Yeah, that's great, man. Here's a quick question I got to ask. Was it worth it? And would you change anything? Um, I think it's definitely worth it. I'm still on it. Uh, It's a bit looser than, honestly, I think it's been a bit looser since March because that second half, really from the past five months, we went on vacation to Mexico and there it was a resort where there was was no way you could eat keto friendly. I tried. I tried the first night. But hey, then, that's good. That's okay. yeah, yeah, it's funny that I noticed because as soon as we got back in the country, went to opening day, I, I tried to say, you know, you know what? Okay, I'll eat here, have a little drink because I don't really drink. I don't really drink like that, even though there's like, I found out you can have rum, you can have whiskey, you can have scotch, you can have vodka. They're all keto friendly, just until you start adding other stuff that isn't. But honestly, I noticed I gained like ten pounds from that week, and then like going straight back to keto it was gone in like three or four days. So, I mean, again, that might be just sort of maybe the water weight and other stuff, but I saw the significant difference. I felt sluggish and I did not feel right on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, but great but job honestly, developing that habit, man. Great yeah. job developing that habit. Great job. I, I will say this one regret. If, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I'd probably be in the office. I'd be drinking a lot more water. That's the one thing I know I don't do because at home, I'll maybe get a couple cups of water because I don't really do diet soda either. I just I just don't drink enough. Mm-hmm. But I would have at work, I'd have a full gallon jug and I'd and I'd go through it the whole day mm-hmm. because it used to be so bad I'd have to stop uh on the Jersey Turnpike just to use the bathroom. So 
I would say this. The one thing is, I don't know if trying to do the, I know the first thing they recommend is not to work out in the first couple of weeks because you're going to go through that keto flu and dehydrate yourself. I wish I had started working out a little bit more because I, I hit the plateau and now I'm starting to work out while I've seen some changes. The legs are better and it took me forever. I hated squats. Squats, mm-hmm. like I said, my two workouts, I hate squats and push-ups. I still don't do push-ups, but I've been doing squats. I do like my my routine routine on every other day is mm-hmm. 10 minutes of alternating five sets of goblet squats with, I guess, more of a shoulder press. But other than that, I'm just, you know, get my five in, get my five in, switch, get my five in, get my five in, keep doing that for 10 minutes. Before, I would like, oh, I can't do this. But now I do the squats and like the whole 10 minutes just flies by. And My it's just, guy. yeah, it's like everybody's like, oh, your legs look shaped. And I'm like, well, that, that's great. That's good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I still, I don't good. think I could lift a car up, but I, I still think, uh, I'm <laughs> I don't, I, here's the thing. You don't need to lift the car up, bro. <laughs> great job, bud. I love yeah. it, man. Yeah. I mean, honestly, just going through the whole experience, it's, I will say this, and it's not for everybody because everybody's body reacts differently. And that's the big thing. But for me, it's worked now. The toughest thing is trying to eat enough protein because I feel like not a lot of stuff has enough protein. I get the fat. I have the low carbs, mm-hmm. but I just can't get enough protein mm-hmm. even on that mm-hmm. diet. You think meat would be enough, but it isn't. It takes some big fat chicken breast, boy, for sure. Yeah. That's good, man. All you got to do is try. You've got the habit. And that's the most important part, man. Don't worry about too many details. You, you've done the hard stuff. Just maintain. Yeah. You know, and that's the one thing, because when it comes to working out, I think everybody's expecting, oh, I start working out. Oh, it's going to the fat's going to burn off, melt off. It doesn't happen that way, especially. And everybody thinks you can just target a particular body spot. And oh, and all of a sudden, three weeks later, oh, I see an ad pop out. Yeah. yeah. Now, it's tough. You definitely cannot spot reduce what we call it. So you can't pick a spot on your body and take the fat from that area. Your body will ultimately decide where the fat comes from. So. They'd all look like Larry the Lobster on SpongeBob had the big upper body and the small legs. Right. Right. Because nobody, I was going to ask you, what is it about leg day? And I think I asked you about this before. What is it that everybody hates about leg day? What I, it feels like that is people, I guess now are starting to want a butt. So now people are starting to do squats and other things like that. But what is it do you think that turn people off about leg day? It's hard. Period. It's hard. You got to carry a heavy load. You, you rarely can you get away with squatting a 10 pound dumbbell for long and keep getting results. Eventually it's got to be a 20 pound then a 30 then a 40, you know, and everybody's oh, that's heavy. I don't want to go heavy. Hey, a pound, of, a, a bag of mulch or your dog's dog food bag is 20 and 40 pounds, right? These are very, very functional weights. It's not very heavy. So, you know, it's hard, man. It's grueling. And like I tell my MMA guys, a fighter will throw 300 punches, but he'll only throw 30 kicks because throwing those kicks demands so much energy. The legs demand so much energy. They're so big. They require so much oxygen, so many calories. It, it makes it tough as opposed to training your abs. Who are, you know, very small, very little oxygen is required, right? You're even laying down when you're doing it. Leg day, you're standing up, you're walking. It's, it's pretty grueling. It's, it's tough to answer your question, man. It's hard. Is it easier to do more reps of a smaller weight as opposed to doing fewer reps of a bigger weight, or do they just sort of balance out? 
it balances out. That's super relative. Depends on your goals. Depends on your background. Yeah, that, that's a very relative question. Yeah, because I always wonder because honestly, I you were talking about the ten pound weights. That's all really I have. I have ten pound weights and eight pound kettlebell and five pound weights, which I honestly don't use. Uh, but I just I've been just trying to do that. So I assume that probably the next thing is just either double the reps or maybe increase it by a quarter, you know, twenty five percent or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, increase the weight and build that muscle, baby. That's the key to anti-aging, man. The muscle. Yeah. That's why that melanin. Muscle. Well, melanin, yeah. <laughs> hey, we don't give these muscles to look good anymore, man. We we do these. We give these muscles so we can age better. Mm-hmm. You know, that's keeping it very simple, but that's what it's about right now. We we ain't trying to look over the top good. We're trying to age better. That's that's where we're at, and yep. that's where the muscle is going to help you. What would you say your normal workout routine is on an average day? I know, that, of course, there's different things people focus on. But to you, what is your normal workout routine? Yeah. Uh, so I do a four-day split, chest, back, arms, legs, or rather legs, chest, back, arms, right? So typically I walk in there, I'd hit my, a good warm-up where I'm doing 20 reps of a move for the body part. And then I'm stepping right into my, my heavy compound move, my, my heavy dumbbell press, my heavy deadlift, or my heavy squat. It's going to be my second or third move right off the gate. Then after that, start getting super hyper-focused, right? So I hit my squats, and then I'll do calves, you know, the weaker part of my legs. I'll do that right after squats. Back day, I have two different back days. I'm either focusing on width or thickness. So after my deadlifts, if I'm focusing on width, I'm probably doing some some type of pull down or some kind of some kind of cable row, nice and wide. Or if I'm focusing on thickness, then I'll do a heavy one arm dumbbell, something like that. You know. So warm up, heavy compound move, work on the details in the weak spot. And that's where we're at. Very simple. Mm-hmm. You know, I always think about this and we all wrestled a little in high school. You know what? I feel like Master Gunny stealthily added a little bit of yoga to our lives when it did some of those routines with without us even knowing, mm-hmm. especially, you know, like I said, the butterfly, the the stretches and things like that, which again, we, you know, stretching is important before you do any physical activity. But I feel like some of the times Master Gunny, this old hearted Marine uh, was stealthily putting some yoga in, in hey. our routines. Hey, Gunny had to warm that body up before he wrestled y'all. Yeah, man. I just, yeah, I, I think that's the one thing. I, I figured it took me years to figure this out that that the reason I probably didn't like running, not because it was too hard, it's just like flat feet, hit arch issues. It, it, it tore my hips and lower back up. And it took me probably the past few years knowing I needed arch supports and not even just some of the cheap ones, but real arch supports that'll help because, you know, it's a lot of wear and tear that. Again, I wish I knew because eh, uh, yeah. still probably okay. wouldn't have done ROTC for more than two years, but you know. The benefits of running are superb, man. They're way up there. But if I had to tell anyone to cut out either running or squats, that the running, we're going to cut that out quick. And why? Okay. You do a bad squat. You do one bad squat. You can feel that, right? So you do 40 bad squats. That's not good. You want to fix that. So imagine you go running and you're taking a bad step, you run, I don't know, I don't even know the exact numbers. We'll just throw anything out there. You're running a 5K, you're taking 10,000 steps. You've made 5,000 incorrect steps probably, right? Your left foot's always turned a little bit out. You've done that 5,000 times. 
that amount of repetition and a improper motion is going to give you problems. Those 40 squats suck. So that's just 40 reps. We, we can start to fix that. But people tend to do those 5,000 steps over and over day after day improperly. And that's why running, I would throw that in the trash over the squatting. Yeah. And I think there's also other ways you can get cardio in like walking or yoga and yeah. other things. I was going to ask you, are there other forms of cardio that are non-running aside from the things that we mentioned? And I guess bicycle riding too, but. Yeah. Bicycle, the rower, little martial arts, hitting a heavy bag, punching a heavy bag. is always a good one. A lot of things, man. A lot of things you can do. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned form. I was going to ask you about one of the biggest things that a lot of people may not think, you know, about form when it comes to working out. How dangerous can bad form, poor form be? And I guess poor posture as well. How, how dangerous yeah. can those be? In a highly trained person or a poorly trained person, bad posture can, uh, can mess you up. Bad form can mess you up. Now, with that being said, I do not train with as great as posture as I used to because my focus is no longer preventing injuries or training for sports. I'm no longer training for uh, any sport-specific things. Well, I am now. I wasn't (laughs) for the past year. I was more or less just trying to get a good squeeze in my muscles. So you can't do it all. You can't get the 100% optimal squeeze in your muscle and have 100% optimal form. I mean, you can but if you do, you're probably a pro bodybuilder, okay? And even they use bad form to get a little more of a squeeze in certain movements. So I say all that to say, you don't have to have perfect form all the time, but most of the time you want to practice perfect form to help prevent any injuries. Yeah, because it's interesting. I was talking, wondering if I was having bad form because I noticed like this shoulder tends to be a little higher up than this one. And I look at it like, Ugh. well, I mean, yeah. again, it's not too bad and again it's probably fixable but i think going back to a bunch of arm injuries on the right side that that might be just something that again probably can be correctable down yeah, the road we should definitely we should talk about that man we'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk about that later oh yeah but this is a random question i was thinking about this have you ever worked out in the nude worked out in the nude that's a crazy ass question and the answer is yes you know damn well i have bro. <laughs> you know exactly who i am um have i uh yeah i have and we just i'm just gonna leave it there I don't know why I just, it's like, and it was going to be a question you know, I, again, I don't know how many other people like, could ask, but I know Dante would probably be the one who'd answer it. details or not. That, that's a whole different story, but yeah. <laughs> you know, good and well, you can ask me anything. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, I might, I might, uh, I might have once or twice. We'll keep it with that. I don't think they want to yeah. hear too much about that. Yeah. If you did not have a career in fitness, what would your job be? Bro, I have no clue. The older I get and the deeper I get into this, the less I see myself doing other things. Like I like a lot of things, but I love it, man. If I could be a pro fighter, that would be great. That would be awesome. Yeah, man. I, I love, I love coaching. I love the coach. I'd be a pro, I'd be a pro coach in the UFC, but I still being a trainer. So I, I suck. I don't know. <laughs> I gotcha. What is something that some of the listeners out here who maybe have heard you on the previous episodes don't know about you? Man, I have no clue. I'm a pretty boring guy. Um, I don't know, man. You know, I'll go back to my thing. I usually go back to, and that's, I'm adopted. You know, that's always a cool topic. Uh, you, you bring that up in the gym. You never, I always, I'll say the word adopted and people will come up to me like, Oh, I heard this. And really, really. So, you know, that's one cool thing. I am adopted, uh, grew up single only child 
adopted by older parents equals spoiled. That's what that is. <laughs> What's the last movie that you cried watching? Uh, I don't know the last movie per se, but I cried watching Demon Slayer a couple weeks ago. That happens quite often. I watched, I, I, when I was in Florida, I cried watching the Karate Kid. Like it was some scene where like a butterfly flew away. Yeah. So yeah, you know. But definitely Demon Slayer. If you haven't watched the uh, anime Demon Slayer, definitely look that up. It's on Netflix. Crazy dope, man. Beautiful story. And now normally I would ask a random question about, uh, you know, if there was a movie about your life who would play you, but we've had that discussion before. This is something new I wanted to ask. If there was one piece of advice that you give to yourself from 20 years ago, if you had the ability to travel back in time, talk to Mm -hmm. 18-year-old Dante, what is the one piece of advice that you would give him? Go faster. Do more. You know, a big thing is always uh, fear of failure in my 20s. So I think I didn't do a lot of things that I could have done because I was like, "Ah, I might fail. Let's move on to something that's more concrete. I think in your 20s, 18, 19, fail fail, fail, fail all the way into your 30s. Because guess what? You'll be 30 and you'll know more. You'll have experienced more. You won't be in the place of, ah, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know who I am. You know, I don't, I, you can eliminate a lot of that by trying more things. That's what I would tell you. I know. I'm surprised. No one's ever told me, oh, I'll invest in Amazon or this small little company called Tesla, something like that. I mean, honestly, everybody's been sort of the self-affirmation. I'm like, you know, things will get better or other things along that line, which I think really is refreshing because nobody said the obvious, like, Oh, invest in this and this and this, or do this and this and this. Cause Earl money ain't shit, bro. It is. I need it. I'm trying to get some right now and like right this minute, but it, it's not where it's at, man. You can have all that, but if your relationships is messed up, your mind ain't there. All that money ain't going to do nothing for you. Amazon stock ain't going to give you happiness, right? We all know that now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, what is the one activity that you've always wanted to try but haven't? That's crazy. A skydive. That'd be dope. Straight out the plane. Let's go. I don't know how you do it because I, <laughs> I, I have a bad fear of heights. I, I did a roller coaster. I did a roller coaster in high school and I said, that's it. Never again. I, I gave it my one shot, but I'm not doing that again. There's there's plenty of things that I will try but not do it again after that. <laughs> a skydiving will not be one of those i, I mean i've repelled down a wall which we all repel down a wall um yeah. but and yeah. i won't do that again either i got my limits as we start to wrap this up first of all dante i really appreciate you being a part of this do you have any shout outs anything you want to promote uh anything along those lines nah man just happy to talk to you check out sby mma at pure fitness because we're really kicking butt mma is going really hard man excited to get back into fight life Other than that, man, just be happy and rest up and definitely nice to talk to you, man. Oh, yeah, man. It's good to talk to you. I feel like everybody's coming back from Florida to Maryland. You're one of the first, and I feel like... There's four, four, counting myself. Very crazy, yeah. Yeah, I know Thomas is on his way back. He'll probably be here in the next year, in the new year. I didn't even know that. Yeah, that's why I was saying, yeah, Thomas said he's coming back, but uh, this episode will probably be after that episode, so definitely it'll be like a continuation of that, but yeah, he's coming back uh, probably across the bridge. It feels like a lot of people are coming back. Maybe, you know, they saw Florida. Some people say they see Florida, and then it's like, eh, you know, maybe it's highly overrated, but that's a whole different story for, you know, different people. First of all, Florida's awesome, so we're going to end it right there. Trust me. It's dope. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I guess it depends on what part you're in. <laughs> if you're in a swamp. <laughs> yeah, that too, though. That, you're right about that. My bad. 
You're right. <laughs> if you're in Jacksonville, eh, you know, <laughs> as opposed to Miami, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, or you broke because you live in Orlando, that's a whole different story. <laughs> As I mentioned before, Dante is someone who you can steer the conversation towards any subject, and he rarely ever feels ill at ease. That's what makes him one of my favorite guests. Next time, my guest is former Politico reporter Jenny Hopkinson. We'll discuss her journalism background, what made her decide to leave the field, and her love for ice hockey, which she plays competitively. All episodes of The Sports Refuge can be found wherever podcasts are heard, including Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and on the Sports Refuge website. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on any of those apps and leave a mention, which we'll read on a future episode. Until next time, this is Earl Holland saying thanks for listening and have a good one. You've been listening to the Sports Refuge podcast. For more information about our show and our guests, go to our website at thesportsrefuge.com. Follow us on Twitter at The Sports Refuge, on Instagram at Sports Refuge Sports Blog, and on Facebook at The Sports Refuge Sports Blog. Thank you for listening.